Would you welcome Pastor Barbie, please? That's good. <laughs> I'm going to talk to these guys. They yelled the loudest. <laughs> that just means you're noisy. Um, Nathan up there, can you kind of extend your hand or head across the platform? Don't go too close. We don't want to lose you over the balcony. If you have a technical gift, and I know some of you do because I see you on Facebook all the time. I know you know how to work a computer. We need audio-visual help here. And you need to be serving in the body of Christ. You need to be using your gifts for something other than tweeting. So, step, step, step on those toes. If you have a heart that just wants to serve somewhere and you've been going, God, show me where I can pour, go and see Nathan after service today. We'll put him in like a gold crown out in the foyer. He'll be really hard to miss. And But go, you know, you need to be sowing into the body of Christ. You need to use those gifts. Allow God to just pour you out. Amen? Because some of you have fabulous gifts and um, we're waiting on them. How y'all doing? <laughs> Are we ready to push into the Lord just a little deeper this morning? I am so excited about what he has for us in a fearful and painful kind of way excited because I know what he's been doing uh, in my heart in preparation for this week. And uh, as you know, we're in a series on worship and we've covered a couple of the bases so far about regarding worship. And today we're going to talk about intimate, personal worship, a life that is intimately connected to Jesus Christ, a life that worships in private, that it might manifest in public what God has done. Does anybody want to go a little bit deeper with him today? Go a little bit further. Okay, two people on the right and, <laughs> and then one back here, a couple on the front row. We're going to push into his presence just a little bit. The invitation is there, but sometimes we have to push in order to get our flesh to obey. It's not that he, we're waiting to, for him to grant access. Access has been granted. We just have to move toward him. So if you'll stand with me, we're going to read a passage of Scripture. I have three, actually, and the very first one may seem a little random, but that should be consistent with what you guys know of me. After we read this one, I want to pause for just a moment before moving to the next. So let's do this. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Then Samson said, with a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. When he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone. And the place was called Ramaslahi. Let me tell you something. This one I couldn't get away from because as I'm reading that, I'm looking and I'm going, okay, this man just killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. That's kind of impressive. But what got me the most was he killed 10,000 or killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey and he tossed it away when he was finished. We catch a baseball in the outfield and we enshrine it in glass 
and we worship as we walk by or we save the tassels off of graduation caps or that picture that our child painted when they were in second grade that you know you have no idea what that is. (laughs) Yet we keep it. This was something that had accomplished much in his life and he tossed it away. The Lord began to say to me, some of us need to toss away old weapons. We need to have something new to fight with in a new season. Anybody in a new season? Anybody need something because the old isn't working anymore? All right then, then this, you are in the right place. We're getting ready to throw away the jawbones, grab some city gates and move forward. Amen? Now to the next passage of Scripture. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. And one small, brief passage, and we'll be finished. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relationship to be abundant separate you you can do no father i thank you so much for your word i thank you father that it is alive and it has a pulse father and your word pounds through this room at this moment father according to your word you said you watch over it to perform it father that it never returns void to you but it always accomplishes what you send it to do and that's our prayer today god that as you release your word it would accomplish all that it's sent to do Father, let our hearts be pliable. Let the walls come down today, Father. Let all of the hard places be dealt with today, God, as you draw us into intimate relationship with you, Father, a new thing for a new season, Father. I pray that everything that is of mine would be forgotten, everything that is of you would stand and produce fruit, Father. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. I wasn't really sure, I say this every time, and I know that I do, I wasn't really sure how to approach this particular topic, this particular subject, because of all of the topics probably that I've ever taught, this one is probably the most dear to my heart because what I have uh, experienced in God in this area of my life has truly transformed my life. Um, It just, it has um, taken me through so many things. It has... uh, accomplished so many things, delivered me in so many areas, so many things. And so today I want to talk to you about intimate worship. Do you understand that your worship should extend beyond the walls of this house? It should be born of a heart that is just um, given over to him. And I wasn't really sure how to begin this, and so I pulled something that actually caused a little bit of controversy. I know it's surprising to you. Um, So non-controversial, but I write this blog and um, normally I just send them out there and expect you all to appreciate it. Um, (laughs) Actually, I'm just hoping somebody reads it, but um, I had sent one out and I thought it was pretty 
calm and got got some feedback on it and I thought but you just got to grab the heart of it because I didn't know how on that day to I was trying to express what it's like to just be in his presence just you and him just this intimate worship place and so I'm going to read it to you and then we'll go for that from there I do not even know how to begin to say that this has overtaken me would be a grave understatement For I cannot begin to fathom and fully plumb the depths of what God has been doing in this battered heart of mine. I am humbled and exhilarated, weepy and caught up in hilarity, and I shake my head at what I cannot put my finger on, but know full well is there. I suppose, most plainly put, I have fallen in love with him. I know already that there are those taking issue with the words falling in love, for that implies an eventual rising out of love. Ah, but this falling, this has taken some 49 years, and I do not feel the rising as of yet. Quite to the contrary, I feel the wind on my face as I fall faster and deeper. The world spins by me as my gaze locks with his, and I no longer fight this pull toward my beloved I have never wanted anything like I want him. I have never longed for anything like I longed for his presence. I didn't mean to. I didn't set out to lose myself. I I merely thought to like him enough to, to make him like me. Too late I learned that it doesn't work that way. A gentle wooing birth of profound love has set a fire within my bones and, and I would have been consumed had I not finally found my face to his chest, my ear to his heartbeat, his breath with mine. Though I do not wish to frighten you with words that evoke such intimate images, I must tell you what I have found in his presence. The purest, of intimacy. His is the take your breath away kind of touch. His is the voice that speaks and drenches your soul in myrrh, leaving you quite undone. His beauty, fierce and humbling, is that of which dreams could never be made, for he is beyond human dream and thought. He is piercing in intensity, yet completely consuming in his loveliness. I don't know how to write about tears that fall because of unseen beauty or breath that catches at fragrances no one else can smell. My personal command of the English language is sorely inadequate when attempting to paint something so eternal. Still, I have no recourse but to try. I have no choice, for love compels me to make you painfully, startlingly aware of this life-altering plunge into intimacy with Christ. Beyond the precipice of pews and platforms, hymns, choir lofts, and vestry, there is a tender beckoning. The beloved's voice is drawing, whispering, inviting, welcoming. And when we step forward, With genuine abandon, we find ourselves in the heady embrace of the one our soul does love. We are captured and we are sent deeper into him. And I promise you, it is the most beautiful falling. That's the closest 
I can get to sharing with you what it's like to just move into His presence, the two of you, in a world of your own. (laughs) It's the most precious thing. It's the most costly oil. It is the most life-altering thing that you can possibly be a part of, in my opinion, because that's what it has been for me. Fifty years in, you'll just pardon the way that I say this, but fifty years in, he is still my rush. He is still my high. He is still my obsession. He is my go-to, my run-to. He is my all in all. And I say with complete conviction, he is my most holy addiction. Oh, nothing like Him. Nothing like Him. But it wasn't always like that. There were moments in my life where my whole life I have loved God. But there were definitely some years in my life where I didn't serve God. And then, you know, a couple of weekends in my late 20s that I'm glad TMZ was not privy to. But I'm outside of those, outside of that, I've always, I've always been in the house of God. I've always been in praise teams. I've taught Sunday school since I got old enough to, to pronounce the words, even though I did call chaos chose one time, and they really didn't let me forget that one. But anyway... I've been in the house of God and, and I've had this head knowledge of God, but I, I, there was so much garbage in my life that I somehow couldn't get to the truth of what I wanted. And so I lived much of my Christian life very frustrated. And I probably took it out on some of you, and I apologize for that. But I, I just I lived very frustrated because I knew that I knew that I knew somewhere in the depth of my spirit there was somewhere that you could go with God that I wasn't getting to. There was a relationship you could have with Him that I couldn't quite touch yet. And I found that extremely frustrating. And in that frustration, uh, take that frustration and marry it with some sin and guilt and, and damaged upbringing. And, and I, I, I kind of like wreaked havoc everywhere I went, you know, and I was very unstable. I was, I've told you guys this over and over, I was a runner. I was a bungee Christian. It's like I would be here for a little bit and then I would just get sucked right back out and I would be here for a minute and then I would get run, run right back out. And, and that's all well and good if you have no commitments. It's all well and good if you have no position or title in the church. No, it's not all well and good. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm not letting you all off the hook that easy. Anyway, but when Pastor Wayne came to work here, I'm, I'm going to give you two instances because I could give you a thousand things and I, and I asked God, help, help me show them how I turned the page. Help me show them how I got out of that vicious cycle of stay and leave, stay and run, stay, run, stay, run, stay, run. And he gave me two instances, and I want to share those with you, and I kind of want to take you where I went. I know that there's not anybody in here who's a runner. I'm sure none of you have ever been hot or, and cold and hot and cold in the spirit. 
I'm sure that no one has ever been lukewarm and, and no one has ever been in church on Sunday and then where's Waldo next Sunday? But that's where I was. And so when Pastor Wayne came on staff, um, when he became the worship pastor, he didn't, what he didn't understand that at the bottom of his job description it says you are also going to have to become a father to your flighty piano player. Because if he had read that, he might have been doing, a, a, we might have been having, you know, who knows as our worship pastor. But he came in and he didn't know that I, I needed a father. He didn't know that I was going to um, make him a little bit nuts for a few years. And, but he was so faithful. He was so kind to me. And he began to teach me. And in my running, in my craziness, in my... I'll be here this Sunday. I would come, literally, I would come to rehearsal and then, like, by Saturday, I'd be, like, trying to figure out ways to get out of playing on Sunday. That's just being honest. I'm sure that they were legitimate excuses. <laughs> and, and so if I was feeling really gracious that week, I'd call him on Saturday night and give him, oh, like, 12 hours to come up with somebody else. And if I wasn't, then it would be more like 8.30 in the morning going, <coughs> I don't think I'm going to make it, you know, like coughing's going to affect your hands. But, um, and I would leave and I would disappear and he would come find me. Who does that, stalker? <laughs> this is between me and Jesus. Um, he would come after me. He wouldn't come immediately. He would give the Holy Spirit time to work. And then when I would ignore the Holy Spirit, he would call and he would go, you know, can we talk, you know? And he would just teach me. He would talk to me. He never fussed at me. He never really rebuked me. But he would teach me and he would talk about these biblical concepts called faithfulness and <laughs> consecration and I said, it's consecration where you think really hard. <laughs> and he would do these things that just, just I would be like, oh, man. So this is what a, having a dad's like. But he would come after me time after time after time, and he would restore me to the piano bench and to my relationship with God until... There was this one evening, and I don't—I have no idea why I was there because I was in flight mode. And we were at Malin's house, and we were recording something. And it was over in Nashville. And and when we got ready to leave, everybody was leaving, and Pastor Wayne just happened. What a coincidence! He just happened to be walking next to me, and he said, "Can I talk to you?" And I just thought, "Oh, I'm in trouble." Or actually, what I really thought was. He's come to get me again. <laughs> he's he's going to restore my relationship with Christ. And he just so gently, but in Wayne speak, said, Daughter, I'm not coming after you again. Oh, my goodness. I, I felt like, I'm like, wait a minute. We have established a relationship here. I know my role, <laughs> you know yours, I run, you come after me. That's how this works. But I, and I, in that moment, it's like, oh, I, I just, I didn't know what to do with that. I'm like, that is so not Christ-like. <laughs> Christ always pursues us, flesh doesn't. Anyway, 
I got in my car and I cried all the way back home. And I told God on him. (laughs) And I, I explained how Wayne was failing in his job as trying to be like Christ who is relentless in his love. And I'm doing all this stuff and I'm I'm saying all these things, but in my heart of hearts, I know why he did it. I know why he did it because somewhere in that little discourse he went, it's time for you to grow up. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. I was so mad at him and I was so convicted. I didn't know what to do with all of that stuff and who was going to restore me to Christ if he didn't come get me? I'm like, God, oh, I was just so frustrated and I was crying and I was angry and I was this and I was that. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and he said, um, what if you stop running? And I went, that has nothing to do with him. <laughs> we were talking about him, God. <laughs> I'm pointing, I won't point anymore. Uh, and he said, what if you stop running? And I just went, God, I don't know how. I don't know how to stop running. It's what I do. I run from you. I run from relationships. I run from commitments. And then you send somebody to come and find me. That's what you do. You, I'm the one you rescue continuously. Remember, I'm that person. And, and I said, God, I don't know how to stay. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to not disengage and not run. And, and he said, I'm going to teach you how to stay. And so we began this thing. When he spoke to my spirit, I'm like, God, I don't know how you're going to do this. And I heard him in my spirit just say, when you feel the need to run, run to me. When you feel the need to run, run to me. Do you know how many times a day I felt like running? And I would go and I would find a place. I would get at the foot of our bed or I would find a closet or I would go sit in the car or I would come here and I would just sit and and I would sit in his presence and, and I felt like I was holding on for dear life. And in those times, the Lord would just meet with me. And, and I would think, I don't even know what to do while, why, while I'm sitting here. And, and so I begin to meditate on him in those times. I, I begin to thank him for all of the reasons that I had to stay, all of the reasons that I had not to run. And I would bless him. And, and I would look at the pages of the word. And, and I would talk to him. It was, it was just the most intimate, precious thing this building of a, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and, I mean, I might sit in the floor. I could, I could lay on my back with my feet on the couch or, or just whatever it was. It was like he was in that room with me and, and, and we were sharing our hearts like the best of friends. And, and I was listening to him. And there was something about that as he began to reveal himself and as he began to pour out over me the the automatic, the, the, the most visceral response I could have in my life was I had to worship him. When he would, um, I would think about his miracles or I would think about the price that he paid or I would think about the places that he met me in my life, those places that, that I should have died, those places where I should have been lost those places where I could have been sick, those places that I could have been bound and he kept me from being bound. 
And this thing just began to rise up in me. This, this God, I love you. This, this song that was in my heart that, only, that could only come from a place of knowing, that could only come from that place. And he birthed this thing in me, and I fell deeper and deeper. The more I knew him, the more that I came into his presence, the more that I wanted to come into his presence, the more that he spoke to me, the more that I wanted to hear. It just, it's like all of the need to run left me. See, intimacy with God, intimacy in relationship, by definition is a producer. We often think, well, I want to get in the presence of, oh, I, I want to experience the presence of God. I want to, to, I want to feel that. I, I want to experience that. But what you don't understand, and what I didn't understand, is that every time you come into the presence of God, something is produced in your life. There is fruit from that union with Christ. And whatever the need may be in your life in that moment, for me, he was producing faithfulness. For me, he was producing peace that I didn't have. For me, he was producing forgiveness in my heart for some of these old issues that kept me running all of the time. And I didn't realize it at the time, but what was happening is every time I would come into his presence and I would just stay, and I would, so- and I know that some of you don't like this word, but I would just soak in his presence. I would turn on my praise music. I would turn on my, and I would sing to him. I would sing songs that would just spring up from my soul. I would write pages because I didn't know how to express what I wanted to express. And sometimes all I could do is just sit and cry. I would just sit and I would weep at his goodness. And I know that those tears were worship. I know that they were because they were acknowledging this intimate place in Christ, that who he is. I want you to know that that's available to you. I want you to know some of you are the most beautiful worshipers. And God wants to take those places and use them to bring healing in your life, to bring wholeness in your life. The second situation, I really hesitated I really argued with God. I use the word hesitate. It's kind of like hesitate in the way that, you know, you leave fingernail marks on linoleum, that kind of hesitation. To, to share this because it's, and, and this is the truth, guys, sometimes the things that God will share with you in those intimate moments, those things that he'll speak to your heart or share, you'll open the word and you'll be like, oh my gosh, that was exactly what I needed, God. Oh God, and I got to where I'd go, what, what were you thinking, God, when you wrote this? What, what situation was this supposed to address? God, how did it feel when, when this was happening? And, and God, can you explain this to me a little bit? And, and then just to sit and listen and all oh, my spirit would just expand and, and it would just explode um, with this revelation of God. And with every ounce of revelation, my love deepened for him and with every time my love deepened, my need to worship increased. Does that make sense? Because this scripture, this passage of scripture says that we read earlier, Jesus said, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation comes from the Jews. When you know, when you really know that God has done something in your life, 
when you have been delivered, when you have been set free, when you're not behind bars and you should be, when God has restored your relationship, when God has saved your children, when God has done these things and you know that you know it ought to affect your worship. It ought to affect your worship. It should make a difference. And uh, the access that we have in that is just, it's, it's just mind-blowing to me. And so that was the first thing I wanted to share was God can, in those places, fix what's broken in us if we will get on our faces before Him and spend time with Him. The second thing is there's this intimate offering that He, uh, that he there's this intimacy in Christ that makes a lot of people very uncomfortable. And I'm just going to share it with you. <laughs> We're just all going to go there together, what do you think? But it is, it makes people uncomfortable. But I'm going to share it with you anyway because I'm just going to tell you the truth. This is, and some of you all are going to get it and some of you are going to get it later. But I was, because I had grown in faithfulness and because I had grown in my commitment level and because I had started to do the things that I was supposed to do, I was actually fully engaged in praise and worship at a point in my life when we went to Pittsburgh. And if you've ever been to Pittsburgh in one of the conferences there, it will so mess you up. But we were about 200 hours into meetings and... Uh, it feels that way because after, I mean, they go back to back to, you think second service is long, back to back to back to back. Why? I mean, you are eating crackers in the foyer waiting to go back in for the next one. And we were about, I mean, we were way into it. And so God had already dealt with all of my junk. He had already done all of this stuff. And all I had was this extreme gratitude. And we were in Harp and Bowl. Harp and Bowl is about 30 minutes before they actually begin their services. And it's a time to come and center yourself and prepare for the service. What a concept. Maybe rather than caught, never mind. No, I'm in full support of the well. I want you to know that. <laughs> but maybe after you drink your coffee, you might find a quiet place and seek him out a little bit. But anyway, it's just, oh, I was standing in the altar. They'll have praise and worship. They'll have just usually instrumentals in the back. And, and you can walk, you can pray, you can do whatever you want to do. And I was standing in the front of the, the I was up near the altar. And in all honesty, by that time in my life, by that time in that conference, Everybody could have been gone and I really wouldn't, it wouldn't have bothered me <laughs> because it was just, I was just in that, that zone, God zone, if you've ever been there. But um, I was worshiping and the music was playing and I was just kind of swaying back and forth. And, and as I'm swaying there, meditating, because meditation belonged to God long before the world took it, just so you know. Meditating on the Word and I was meditating on His goodness and, and I was meditating on all of these things that He was doing and I, and I was recounting I was remembering all of his benefits and, and I was thinking about the miracles and I was thinking about creation and I was thinking about him flinging the stars out there and, and, and telling the oceans only this far and, and carving the mountains out and, and I was thinking about how he did that and then I began to think about Jesus and the price that he paid to go to become throneless 
sovereignty to, to, be, to be able to come and do what he did. And I was just overwhelmed as I'm thinking of all of these things that God has done. And the tears are just streaming down my face. And, and then I shift from the grandeur of God to the work of Christ. And then I shift to this personal revelation. And God begins to show me things after time, after time, after time in my life where I thought I was alone. And he was there. And he began to show me where he had saved me, where he had rescued me. And I had this all of this stirring in my spirit and it was so strong, this overwhelming knowing of what God had done for me. And I was just worshiping him. Honey, can I have you for just a second? And I was just worshiping him and I was in this place with him that I don't know that I had ever gone before. His presence was so strong. And so I'm standing there in his presence and I've got my eyes closed. And like I said, I couldn't have told you if anybody was there. But all of a sudden, I'll, you be me, okay? <laughs> it's only because I get to be God. <laughs> See, I gave him ample opportunity to just jump right in there and say something, but he didn't. But I'm standing there and I'm in this place with him. And I mean, it's just the most beautiful place. And it feels like, you know how if somebody gets in your space and you can feel, they're not touching you, but you can feel the presence there. And, and I felt like somebody had just moved in close to me, like just so close that I wanted to smack them. Um, <laughs> But it was so close, so close, and I dared not open my eyes. I, I, it's like I couldn't open my eyes because I knew, I knew that I was surrounded by the presence of God. And all I could do was tell him, thank you. All I could do was just pour out this song that I'd never sang before and just love him. And, and as he leaned in, guys, I, I don't, whatever you think, you think. But as he leaned in and I could feel him so close to me, he just spoke to my spirit and he says, this is ours. I am always this close. That I am always this close. And when he said that, everything within me just unraveled and I went, God, I have wasted so much time. I didn't know you were that near. I didn't know you were that close. It was the most intimate thing. And I felt like God planted it in my spirit for me to know he is a breath away. My communication with him, my worship toward him, everything in my life, he is intimately connected to me. He is intimately connected to you. Those were the most beautiful love words that I have ever heard in my life for him to go, this is ours. I knew what he was saying. He was going, you have access to me like this 24-7. Do you understand that you have access to this God of the universe who can totally transform your life 24-7? 
this intimacy and the thing that it birthed in me. It's like everything I knew about him, everything, every scripture that had been read over my life, every experience he and I had had up to that moment, every running place, everything just congealed in that moment in the depths of my spirit. And I thought, oh God, I know you. I finally know you. I finally know. I know what you've done. I acknowledge what you've done. I know, God, I should have died that day. I know, God, that you didn't have to save me. I know, God, that you didn't have to restore me. And everything you did, I now know, God. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. And worship, worship became elemental to me. It became an organic part of who I am. And let me tell you something. When you know, it changes. When you know, it changes. I mean, if you've been a drug addict and God has delivered you, you know. If you should be in jail and you're not, you know. If God has raised you up time and time again, you know. And our worship, when he said, the Samaritans worship what they do not know, but we worship what we know. When you know, you will worship. When you know, if you knew, you would worship. You would run to him so fast, you would find those secret places. And out of those secret places, a public worship life would be birthed. But in those moments, it doesn't get born here. It gets born in the closets. It gets born on the drives to work. That, that public worship life should be born out of a private worship experience with Christ, should be born out of an intimate relationship with Him. What would happen? What would happen if those who serve actually became servants? What would happen if those who worship actually became worshipers? What if we didn't just do the deed? What if we stood in the office of those places and fulfilled the responsibilities and carried the burden and the privilege of walking in those places? Guys, God has so much for us that we never even touch. We have the potential for the most amazing relationship with Christ that we have ever had in our life. Every single day growing in our knowing, be moving toward Him in deeper places, developing an intimacy with Him that is life-changing. Don't you want that? I want that because I know what I was before I had that. And I know the potential of this life now that I know. So, can you stand with me? Tammy, can you sing You Are Holy? Is Tammy even back here? <laughs> Random Tammy. Any Tammy in the room.
open the altar. If you have been that person that's gone, God, I don't know how to get there. God, I see other people who have a relationship with you that is deeper. I see other people who seem stronger than I am. And God, I want to know you like that. I want to know you in that way. Can I get some prayer warriors, please? If that describes you, then I want you to come and let someone agree with you for deeper, for more revelation of who he is so that your worship just explodes. God can totally transform your life if that's what you want. And the rest of us, we're just going to begin to tell him he is holy. And if you could just turn your faces toward him as we sing, you are holy. Lift your hands. Do something that you wouldn't normally do that just says, God, I know. God, I know. I know what you've done.
great are the wonders and the works of your hands. And in that moment, if you can just lift your hands and allow the Lord to take through your spirit those places of wonder in your life, the, the, the great works that he has done, and just begin to thank him for those things. And just, can you just lift a hand? Father, great are the works, the wonders and works of your hands. And just turn your face toward him and tell him this. Go ahead, Tammy. Just sing it. Jesus, great are the wonders. Great are the wonders and works of your hands.
May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ awaken the heart of a worshiper on the inside of you. Let his revelation be deep. Let the intimacy be profound. Let the results be long-lasting. And let our lives be changed to the glory and honor of the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Amen.